caution. What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul-de-sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious-looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem podcast could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is Fast Train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now, for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the city of London. I've just wrapped up a great time together with Hope Church here in uh, in the UK. Uh, if you have not gone to look at the UK Facebook, but you are living here in the UK, I pray that you go and check us out on social media. If you can, give Pastor Danny a call in Rotherham. We are now based out of Rotherham. We are really excited about that. And we are happy to have the people here in the UK joining together with the Chinese to take the vision of the good news of Jesus Christ from China all the way back through the last frontier, that final corridor, back to Jerusalem. This month... We are raising awareness both here in the UK as well as other countries around the world about what the Chinese are doing in North Korea. North Korea, as you know, has been suffering from persecution for quite some time. We have a book that I hope will be out by the end of this year. It will be published by Whitaker House, who have become our main partners in doing the publications for Back to Jerusalem. And this story... That we have um, that we have done about the life of an amazing woman that we call Esther. It's not her real name, but we call Esther. She was a back to Jerusalem missionary from China in North Korea, and her story is absolutely phenomenal. Now, I, I don't want to. There's some people that are really big on not giving away spoilers, so I'm not going to give away the spoilers. Me, I I like I like you to give me the spoilers. I, I, I don't like surprises. If I can get the news as quickly as possible, if you tell me the ending of a movie before I see the movie, I'm okay with that. I like that. I, I can watch a movie that I've seen a million times and still enjoy it. I've seen Rocky four probably more than I've seen any other movie in my life is, I don't know if that's a good thing to be admitting, but I, I grew up watching Rocky. I loved Rocky four. That was, that was my movie. I've seen it more times than any other movie uh, ever, and I still watch it as if I don't know how it's going to end. <laughs> I, I still watch it as if I think Rocky's going to lose, and I'm cheering him on when he's in the middle of a fight, uh, fighting um, at the end with a, with a Russian in Moscow. But I don't want to give you the, the ending, but I do want to share a little bit about her life because it, it really is a, a, this phenomenal story about a way that God used a back-to-Jerusalem missionary from China. Esther was was this woman who grew up in northeastern China, and uh, she eventually became a believer. God called her to go to North Korea, but she ran away from the calling. 
She went to Guam uh, to make clothing. Uh, in case you don't know, Guam is a is a territory of America. Um, it was one of the ways that American companies were able to use Chinese labor and still mark their clothing as made in America. Um, it was kind of a, a this little loophole. So what they would do, Guam would bring in all these Chinese, and the Chinese would work for about the same price that they would work inside of China. Of course, this was before the big economic boom of China. And so many of the workers, they went to Guam. They were able to uh, work in factories, sweatshops, the same as they did in China, producing electricity, uh, electricity, producing goods and, and merchandise and then sending it over to the U.S. with Made in America labels. And it made people feel better about buying clothing from certain companies. So Esther worked in those sweatshops seven days a week. And she began to attend um, a church, eventually went through a type of theology training. There were missionaries who went to Guam, ministered to the Chinese, trained the Chinese, gave them theological training. And Esther was one of those Chinese. And God just continued to call her to North Korea. She eventually did go to North Korea to serve in North Korea, and it was it was a challenging time for her and her entire family. At one point, she was bringing refugees from North Korea into her home to live in China. These Chinese, these uh, uh, North Koreans were going to the Chinese authorities, reporting her, reporting the good work that she was doing, um, so that they could get favor with the with the government and the police. Um, they robbed her. At one point, they even they even mugged her by holding her son at knife point, threatening to slice the neck of her son if she didn't give the refugees everything that they owned. God called her to minister among a very roughneck people. North Koreans can be very coarse individuals, extremely socially aggressive. And um, Esther had a very difficult time. She began to minister in North Korea where she was arrested, thrown in jail, only to be miraculously released, thrown in prison, a secret underground women's prison in China, only to be released, and then to have um, a mercenary hired by the North Korean to kill her. Phenomenal story. But... We have a um, we have two things that we've written about North Korea, and today I, I want to do today a little bit different for our podcast. Today I want to do a reading from our thirty day devotional. Now, if you've never purchased or read our thirty day devotional, I would encourage you to get it. And if you don't have the money to purchase it off online, send me an email. I will send you the ebook for free. And if you live in America or Canada and you say, hey, I don't have the funding, but I really want to, I want to pray for the Chinese, send me an email. We will mail you the book if you live in Canada, the U.S., or Western Europe. Sending a book to other nations becomes um, a challenge for us uh, for um, customs and, and filling out the forms and those kind of things. So that's why we can only promise. you can, If you live in another area, you can send me an email. Um, and we will look into it, but I can only promise that if you don't have the funding or you are a college student and you need every penny that you can get, or you are making minimum wage or you don't have a job 
at the moment and you would like to get this 30-day devotional, you send me an email. I will get you this book one way or another. That, that I promise. Because we would rather have you reading about what's happening in the 1040 window, the area between China and Jerusalem. We would rather you be listening about what your fellow brothers and sisters are doing than to worry about the funding for this book. You write in to me and let me know that you want to pray for the, the, the Chinese. You want to pray for the missionaries. You want to join them in the kingdom of heaven in, in, in prayer and lift them up on a daily basis. Joining in one heart, brother, sister, I will send you this book. I promise. So we have a 30-day devotional. It's not like your normal 30-day devotional because each day is a different day written by a different pastor, evangelist, or missionary from China. And they have all been persecuted for their belief in Jesus Christ. And they write about different verses and scriptures and things in the Word of God that helped them get through the hardest time in their life. So today I want to read from one of the days of the devotional. Now we have... 30 days of the devotional, and this is day three. And you can find this devotional on our website. So I'm just going to read. <laughs> Sit back and relax while Uncle Eugene reads a story to you. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, this is almost like, you know what? This is like getting a free portion of our book in, in the audio form. Uh, we don't yet have this book in an audio format. It might be something that we look at so that you can listen to this as a devotional for 30 days. So here we go. This is day three of our 30-day devotional, and this is about Esther. On June 15, 2009, Ri Hoon Ok, a 33-year-old mother of three, was executed in Raichon City, near the Chinese border, for distributing Bibles in North Korea. Three children had their mother taken from them just because... She handed out Bibles. Not satisfied with murdering this poor mother, the authorities sent her entire family, children and all, to a prison camp. The most conservative estimates say that there are more than 40,000 Christians in North Korean concentration camps, but that number is thought to be as high as 90,000. According to the U.S. government, there are more than 6,000 Christians imprisoned in prison camp number 15 alone. According to the numerous eyewitness accounts, Christians receive much harsher treatment than other inmates at these camps. Christians are one of the most persecuted groups of people all around the world and are being persecuted in places like China, India, Iran, and Saudi Arabia. But North Korea is unique in the world of Christian persecution. North Korea is continually ranked as the most oppressive country in the world for Christians, and in many ways, it is in a league of its own. In North Korea, Christians are not just killed, but are sent to death camps, run over by steamrollers, forced to watch the murders of their loved ones, forced to abort their children, and brutally executed in a myriad of ways. Kim Il-sung himself said, Anti-government behavior and enemies of the state must be annihilated to the third generation. This murderous principle is applied rigorously to those considered a threat to the government, especially Christians. One defector told 
a U.S. commission about his memories as a soldier in the North Korean army. He can remember when his unit was dispatched to clear the ground of obstacles so that a road between Pyongyang and Nampo could be widened. In 1996, his unit began tearing down a vacant house in Yongkong County. That was in the construction zone. When they began to tear down the foundation, they found a small notebook in the debris. Upon inspection, it turned out to contain a church roster with the names of the pastor, two assistant pastors, and other local Christians. The contraband was immediately handed over to the authorities. The 25 people who were listed in the notebook were arrested and brought to the road construction site. Five of those detained were listed as leaders in the notebook and were bound and laid down on the ground. The other 20 were forced to stand on the side. Announcements were made quickly in the surrounding areas in order to assemble more observers to the punishment. The five Christian leaders lay on the ground while a large steamroller was positioned in front of them. They were told to reject Christ and serve only Kim Il-sung and his son Kim Jong-il, or they would die. None of the Christian leaders said a word. They were given another chance to save their lives. These five leaders were told that they could continue living their lives and they could go back to the way they were if only they would deny the name of Jesus Christ. They were given the same option that Nebuchadnezzar gave to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the flaming furnace and that the Romans gave countless Christians as they faced roaring lions in the Colosseums. The fellow Christians in the crowd began to cry out, begging the leaders to do whatever necessary to save their lives. Their friends and family members could not bear to watch the horrid execution that was about to take place. The steamroller started up. The ultimatum was offered again. Reject Jesus and live, or refuse to deny him and deny. The ultimatum was clear. They remained silent. They had made their choice. It was clear that they would rather die than to deny the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. The steamroller began to roll towards the pastor. The assistant pastors and the elderly, and, the slow, and, the, and it slowly drove over their bodies, crushing them to death. Onlookers said that they could hear the sound of the skulls popping as the steamroller ran over their heads. Some of the Christians who knew the pastor fainted when they saw the crushed bodies. This took place in 1992, around the same time that Esther, a young mother from China, was called to North Korea. Esther is one of the few people in the world to have been arrested in both North Korea and China and lived to tell about it. Soon after going into North Korea, Esther was able to help the poor and to secretly share the gospel with them. Her humanitarian efforts caught the attention of many communist leaders who insisted that she come and join them for an official government dinner, a huge honor for anyone. At first, she respectfully refused the invitation, but the party secretary continued to insist on her attendance. He even sent an official government car to pick her up. This was a great honor, and it would have been a political it would have been politically disastrous for her to continue to refuse. Esther, you have done so many great things for the motherland, 
the party secretary said, and he kept heaping praises upon her. After driving for some time, they finally arrived at a bronze statue of Kim Il-sung and founder of North Korea. The driver stopped and everyone got out of the car. It was customary for the officials to pay their respects to the large statues of the country's past and current leaders and bow down before them. Esther began to pray and frantically in her spirit, knowing that this short moment could mean the end of her time in North Korea. If she refused to bow to the great leader in worship, she may be forced to leave the country or perhaps be put in jail. Locals could even be executed for refusing to bow before the great leader's statue. As they walked together the statue, as they walked together toward the statue, Esther was still at a loss as to how to handle the situation. Everyone lined up shoulder to shoulder beside each other and prepared to begin the ceremony. Dear Lord, what do you want me to do? Esther prayed silently. Then suddenly, a large surge of boldness filled her heart, and she began to pray differently. Kim Il-sung, you are not the King of Kings. You are not the Lord of Lords. You are a horrible, evil leader, and I command you in the name above all names to fall down and disappear. Everyone bowed in unison except Esther. She stood upright and stared directly at the bronze statue. Fall down in acknowledgement of the one and only King of Kings, she prayed in her spirit. The statue did not fall physically, but it no longer held any power over Esther. After bowing several times, there were a few people who did notice that Esther did not bow. Teacher? One of the party members asked. They often called her teacher as a sign of respect in the Korean culture. Why don't you bow when we come together and pray before our great leader? Please understand, Esther started slowly. I don't know how to greet others by bowing down. After all, isn't it only a bronze statue? It isn't the great leader himself. He didn't make it. Someone made it to remind them of him. The statue can't do anything to acknowledge that I have been here paying my respects. If I wanted to truly honor the great leader, wouldn't it be better to do something for him or his people directly? Which would be better for you, to follow the teachings of your leader and help those around you, or to come and bow at a statue that can't do anything for you, the people or the leader? The people around her pondered her words for a moment. From that day onward, they never again asked her to bow down before the statue. Many people reading this story might think that they would boldly tell the officials that Jesus Christ is Lord, not Kim Il-sung. However, Esther had a burden for the people of North Korea. She wanted to share the gospel with them, and she could not do that if she was kicked out of the country for making a brash statement to government officials. Everywhere she looked in North Korea, there were people hurting, afraid, and looking for a way out of their misery. They were like people waiting to be saved in the midst of a raging storm. Esther began to secretly visit different homes in the dead of night to share the gospel with strangers. She headed out for most people had when most people had gone to bed. The lack of streetlights in North Korea made her feel unsafe at times, but the darkness also concealed her movement. Some friends told her where to go. The first couple of homes were expecting her. It was safer to meet in privacy of a home at night when no one else was around to listen. Esther continued to visit people's homes from that night on. She would sometimes spend all night preaching in one home. 
Not many people had lamps, so they would use fabric from blankets that Esther had brought from China, twist a strip of the cloth to make makeshift wick, and dip it into cooking oil to burn for light. Do not expect anything from me, she would say. I'm not capable of helping anyone and have no power to rescue you from your problems. I don't have all the answers, but I know the answer. Jesus, the living God. He is not dead like your formal leader, former leader, Kim Il-sung. The people in the room gasped at the notion that their great leader was dead. The North Korean government taught that Kim Il-sung was not dead, but that he had become the eternal leader of the Korean people, so that when a Korean died, they would be reunited with him. To Esther, that notion sounded more like living hell than heaven. The God who lives can touch you where you need it the most. He can heal your broken heart. And all you have to do is ask him. Only the one true God can give you eternal life. Believe in Jesus with all your heart. And only then can you be saved from eternal damnation. I have no material wealth. But if you look to the living God, he can meet your needs. Esther said. The people had never heard any teaching like this before. They were moved by Esther's boldness and passion. They were captivated by the fact that a woman was brave enough to defy the law of Kim Jong-il. She became known as the woman who did not bow to Kim Il-sung. In all of our daily devotionals, we have a section that's called Think About It, where we follow it up with a scripture reading. So I'm just going to read the section that says Think About It, and then I will end on the scripture reading. Few people realize the tightrope that missionaries are constantly walking between effectiveness and counterproductive behavior. Christians that want a quick spotlight can easily travel to a closed country, challenge authority by boldly preaching the gospel, and get kicked out without ever seeing anyone say, but hey, at least they have a cool story to put up on Facebook. Esther prayed for wisdom. She didn't want to offend the authorities. But she also couldn't bow to Kim Il-sung. Her desire to stay with the people that did not know Jesus was so great that she at various times in her life went through some of the worst suffering that we can even imagine. She prayed for wisdom and God answered. Scripture reading. Although I'm free from all people, I make myself a slave to all people to recruit more of them. I act like a Jew to the Jews so I can recruit Jews. I act like I am under the law to those that are under the law so I can recruit those who are under the law, though I myself am not under the law. I act like I am outside of the law to those who are outside the law so I can recruit those who are outside the law, though I am not outside the law of God but rather under the law of Christ. I act weak to the weak so I can recruit those that are weak. I have become all things to all people so that I can save some by all means possible. All the things I do are for the sake of the gospel so I can be a partner with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19-23 through 23. I have become all things to all people so that some might be saved. Thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you.
My name is Jung, and I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book, but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church. So begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ, by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps, and torture. See how he goes from the prison cell of China's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers. Be amazed at this true story of suffering, sacrifice, and triumph. I Stand With Christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold. There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims. Drink tea. It's that simple. By drinking a cup of Back to Jerusalem Chinese tea, you will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study around a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? Add Back to Jerusalem tea to the menu. All profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria.